Welcome to the Mike Bell Real Estate Show. Mike is one of the nation's top realtors and is highly regarded as an authority in residential real estate sales. Mike Bell has nothing to sell but great wisdom. You're going to love this show. Now, here's Mike Bell. And we're back. Welcome to the Mike Bell Real Estate Show, where the goal is to give you great advice, tips, and the ability to connect the dots to understand buying and selling process for residential real estate. I've been selling since 1993. We have, I have 21 listings. I've, uh, I'm a licensed broker with the Bureau of Real Estate here in California, and I'm a broker with Keller Williams Realty International in Pasadena, California. And uh, I have a big announcement. Actually, it's not that big. My office has expanded over the week. We moved 170 agents to our new location here in the heart of the Pasadena Financial District on um, Lake Street. So if you've been to Los Angeles, you know where I'm at. Uh, this is in the South Lake Business District. Uh, it's, it's a location that most everybody in L.A. knows. And we're in a place called the Pasadena Corporate Center. We're really happy to be here. It's an entire city block of high-rises. And we moved our studio here to my office. So um, house cleaning items real quick. You can reach me during the show by calling in 888-GO-FOR-IT, 888-GO-FOR-IT, 888-463-6748. My personal cell is 888-401-1555. That's 888-401-1555. That's my personal cell. My email is mikebell at kw.com. My website is themikebellteam.com. You can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook. I have tons of websites out there, it's it's pretty easy to find me. Well, five months ago, we had part one of this series called What Your Agent Probably Will Never Tell You. And we rolled into destroying some myths. And we have our guest back, my co-host, my friend, Michael Patras. He's a publisher. He is a serial buyer and serial seller. And he bought his first house as a teenager. The video was great, but this is really great. The view out the window, the courtyard... On a clear day, you can see the San Gabriel Mountains almost. It's just awesome. We're right on the courtyard. This is really nice. We have um, all my talk zone paraphernalia is here in the office, and when we moved here, everybody was like, oh, my gosh, you're actually going to have your show in your office. We made it all fit. Absolutely. It works well. Um, so let's roll into it. Um, um, well, actually, before we start part two, I want to really quickly go over what we talked about in part one, I think that was about five months ago. And obviously the segment is called What Your Agent Will Probably Never Tell You. And uh, let's actually fix that. It's, it actually should have been what your prospective agent will probably never tell you. Um, I interview at least a few times a week for listings. And it's, um, it's astonishing what homeowners tell me what the other realtors say. And um, and they're probably only telling you half of it. They are, yeah. We could actually have, I could have so many shows on. There's just outrageous things that are said. Sure. Um, anyway, so I, uh, I want to share this with everyone listening now, um, my best real estate advice. I think you asked me, we had lunch earlier, what's the best real estate advice you give people? Well, I think probably is go with somebody that you trust and somebody that knows the area that you're in. Uh-huh. 
like a, a local expert of sorts? Uh, actually, I have some better advice than that, but it actually okay. includes that. Um, what else do you think is the best advice an agent can give somebody? I would say probably the truth. Mm. You know, the truth is just something that's really good. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the truth is something you don't want to hear. I know that an experience that I've had, that somebody will tell you something that they want you to hear. You think you're getting one thing and mm -hmm. you're getting something else because over time it ends up not being the truth and they have to amend it to make it the truth. So it's really disappointing. So I think honesty is a, a big thing. And I think that has to do with not only how they're going to market your property for what price they're going to market it. Mm -hmm. They just need to be totally forthright with things. Mm -hmm. It's all going to come out in the wash anyway. Absolutely. You're going to figure it out anyways. Sure. My, my best advice for people is to interview three local agents. You'll never know how good your agent is or how bad they are unless you compare them. It's just pretty simple. Sure. Right? You don't pick the first apple off the shelf at the market, right? I do. <laughs> well, stop <No>. it. <laughs> Take the best of three. I know a lot of people pick their realtor from maybe the newspaper ads or maybe a uh, sign that that's in, in the yard down the street from them, postcards, um, or even if they walked into an open house. Um, I, I, those could be very good sources. Generally, they usually aren't. Uh, and in, on a national average, two-thirds of all home sellers only interviewed one agent. So that's pretty much my average as well. I typically don't really compete too much. It's it's too bad. I'd I'd like for them to uh, interview other agents. It's fine, but uh, most of them don't take my advice. That's okay. The National Association of Realtors has a profile of home buyers and sellers, and here it's here on our desk here. And uh, I don't know how many pages this sucker is. About an inch thick. Eighty pages, ninety-one pages, and. Uh, what they've done is they've gone out and they've they polled 93,502 buyers uh, with 120 questions. And these are for buyers in the United States that bought between July 2011 and, July, and June of 2012. And this is where I'm getting all my statistics from. So let's roll into this review. I think uh, the first part of our segment that we – the last segment we talked about was we talked about how dual agency may not be um, – the best for you, and that's generally when a buyer and seller are being represented by the same broker, and we had talked about the inherent conflict of interest, how attorneys can't represent both sides, things like that. Well, and it makes perfect sense, because if you want somebody that's going to market your property in the best way and, and get you the most that your property can get in the prevailing conditions, it makes sense to have somebody fighting for you. You don't want somebody who's trying to make a sale no matter what, just to get their buyer in a contract and, and you in a contract and open escrow. And so, so many times I've, I've talked to friends that have said, oh, you know, my uncle's going to take care of this for me and he already has a buyer and, and so he's going to represent both. Well, I don't always think that's the best thing. I think it's playing both sides of the fence. And to me, I want somebody who's all on my team and not anywhere on anybody else's team. But it sounds good when somebody says, I already got a buyer for your house and thank goodness I'm here at your dining room table and we're talking. It sounds great. Yeah, I'm a little suspect. Well, you have to wonder who, where the loyalty is. They sure. Just, they just met you, first of all, and sure. they've been working with this buyer for probably a long time. Sure. And buyers want deals and steals. Absolutely. And you have to ask yourself, well, it, it is nice to have a backup offer. It's nice to be on the open market. It, it, to me, it just doesn't make sense. Why would you cut out the entire world and sell to somebody when if they, that person really wants to buy your place, they'll wait around. 
Right. Like, they'll still be there. Well, and, and the market conditions will show that because I think lately there have been so few pieces of property on the market that I would say, and I'm not the realtor here, that there would be multiple offers on things. Yeah. So why would you want to shut out the possibility of getting another offer, regardless if it's better, worse, or indifferent? Just see what else is out there. Well, if you're a home seller and you've sold your house and you're in escrow and you're waiting to close, it's kind of nice to know that you've got somebody to go back to in case you have to if the first buyer can't qualify for their mortgage or for whatever reason. But it's also you use that for your negotiation. If the buyer is asking for certain things to be repaired or credits or something like that, it's nice to be able to say, you know what, we have a backup buyer that doesn't want any of those things. Sure. And you lose that power. And I think really when I bought my first house and I was a teenager, I was young and dumb, and I actually bought my home that was built in 1913 with no contingencies. You were smart, by the way. So so what was wrong with that picture? You know, termite-infested, all-wood construction duplex. So, yeah, I found a ton of termites, and, and it's inherited in that type of thing. But I had a good realtor that was working for me. It happened to be my mom. And she told me, you know what? You started working you were, when you were 14. You've saved up all this money. You need to make this purchase. You're smart. So just make it with no contingencies. Now, I don't recommend that anymore because there are certain things that need to be looked at. But when I was young and dumb, I didn't mind fixing up the house myself and, and going as I went along. But... Times have changed a little bit, so you need somebody who's going to be able to look out at that stuff for you. Uh, the other item we were talking about was how open houses generally really don't work to help sell your house, and how, according to the National Association of Realtors, this survey here, you have a three percent chance of selling your house because of an open house as as uh, being the first step that a buyer uses to to find a house. Now, open houses help sell houses; it allows people to go see it, but um, only three percent of the time. It's sold because of the open house, and that's kind of a low statistic, and I don't think people should hang their hat necessarily on the agent that says, I'm going to do an open house every weekend until it sells. Sounds good. Sounds like I'm working hard if I'm going to be doing that. But there better be a lot of advertising goes along with it, because otherwise, how the hell is anybody going to find it? Well, You know, unless you're cruising the neighborhood every weekend looking for signs. Well, and and it's a bit of har- it's a bit of a harsh thing to say, but it really is a lazy way of selling a house because um, I just stand around in somebody's front room, and um, I use your front room to sell uh, either your house or something else. Sure. So you're like an order taker at that point. Uh, for the, yeah, and it's also we talked about uh, there's some safety issues, there's some privacy issues Absolutely. to consider when you have an when you have an open house because there's really no way of knowing who's walking into your house. Sure. Um, and then we also talked about um, – well, let me back up. Uh, I think one of the important points we had, I had a developer on, and he was uh, telling me how open houses are uh, crucial to the new home construction selling model, how they sell brand-new homes. And uh, I think that's 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 – there's always a, an exception, but that is probably the main exception about open houses is it, they, they in open houses on new construction, they have an open house basically every day. Well, when you're used to seeing a huge tract of land that has been vacant for years and all of a sudden, you know, they've moved 8 million tons of soil and they've built up a bunch of homes, yeah, you're going to want to go see what it is. It's now part of the community. They probably have three, four, five models. And if you're Mm -hmm. in that price range and considering buying in that area, you want to see what the options are. So you have to go see that. It's one thing to look online and see the floor plan, but until you walk through it and see the vaulted ceilings and get a feel for it, 
you know, that that's different than custom one-off homes or older track homes that over years have been customized. If they're all cookie cutter and the same, yeah, you want to get what you can. And in the olden days, I guess you could say it's, you know, an open house really means that the house is, is open. You don't have to make an appointment. You can just show up. The idea is that you can't just show up to somebody's home that they're living in. Pound on the door and, and get pound in. Pound on the door you can, and get in. Sure. So, so obviously, if you have a brand new house that you're trying to sell, it's it's always open. Absolutely. Part. Um, and then we talked about how print ads um, don't work that well. Um, I don't really advertise that much. It's not very effective. And according to the National Association of Realtors survey, um, print ads actually are score even lower in terms of effectiveness on how to sell a home com- even compared to open houses. It's about 1%. You have about a 1% chance. That sounds about right because I think in this day and age, really, people read so much. They sit at their iPhones and their computers and their laptops and all this stuff, and they're constantly leading their eyeballs looking. And it really takes something that's going to grab some attention like some photographs or uh, something on a website like a walkthrough tour or something like that. It's, it's not going to be a little one-inch by two-inch ad in a paper that says, this house is for sale. It's three ninety nine, and um, yeah, it's, it's so it's just it does it's not very effective at all. Um, we're going into our first break. You're here on the you're listening to the Mike Bill Real Estate Show, and we're here with Mike Patrick, and we're talking about what your agent will probably never tell you. Part two. Back to the Mike Bell Real Estate Show on TalkZone.com. Here's Mike Bell. Welcome back to the Mike Bell Real Estate Show. Let's roll into the meat of our program. We've already done our overview of last um, the, the, the first part of our two-part program. We're here with Michael Patris, and we have a caller. We have Alex uh, from Miami. Alex, can you hear us? Uh, yes, I can hear you. Hey, thanks for calling the show. Hey, no problem. You know, I'm selling my home, and I took your advice to interview three agents. Uh, one yeah. of them insists that their company will basically make it sell. It doesn't sound right. <laughs> well, actually, um, we're going to skip or skip ahead, um, and we're going to talk about there's this myth out there that the brand behind the agent will be powerful enough to sell your house, and basically the sign in front. I'm sorry. And basically, the sign in front of your house will be a significant influencing factor in selling your home. And when I say brand, I'm talking about the names like Keller Williams. Um, that's a brand, our, our company. There's hundreds of other companies out there. Now, what's interesting is according to the National Association of Realtors, you have a less than 1% chance of selling your house because of the for sale sign. Interesting, isn't it, Mike? It is. 1%. Less than 1%. Amazing. Now, if you dig more a lot deeper into this data, <laughs> the because of the brand of the company, how it influences buyers to make a move, uh, um, it's, it's actually it, the brand matters uh, 4% of the time as an influencing factor for a buyer. But the real estate sign out in front is, one percent. So it's four percent of one percent. That's how much it matters if Kel- the name Keller Williams 
is an, is on the sign in front of your house to a buyer. It Negligible. means a lot. It means more to a seller, of course. Sure. I mean, everybody wants a fancy name in front of their house, but the cold hard facts is uh, it's it really doesn't matter. Sure. Well, I think it's the agent, obviously. I mean, it's just like if you're going to convince somebody to spend the rest of their life with you, it's a sales job, right? Yeah. You have to convince somebody that you're worthy, you're good, and you meet all the criteria. I don't see it being much different when you're trying to list or, or purchase a home. You need to have somebody that is compatible with your way of thinking, that is interested in getting the job done and making a commitment. It's all about a relationship and a commitment. It's not unlike dating. Yeah. Uh, so it's something that... Yeah, the sign can say whatever, but how's the person going to actually do the job? Mm-hmm. I actually, I have a. I'm supposed to hear today. I, I interviewed on Sunday uh, for a listing in a very exclusive neighborhood in the San Gabriel Valley, and the house is worth around two million dollars. And one of the first things this uh, my my potential client said to me was, "I don't want a real estate sign out in front of the house." I said, "Fine," and it. The way he said it, it kind of made me feel like the. I know I'm, I'm competing. I have a feeling that um, the other agents probably said, probably fought him on it. And I quoted the stats, and I said it's not a big deal, and a lot of it's ego-driven. Sure. They're not going to drive by your house, see the sign, and buy your house. Well, they might, but I don't think that's a big – this should be a big focus on the no. grand scheme of things. And in the big picture, there are a lot of customers, particularly in higher-end neighborhoods, that they don't want the neighbors to know their business. Yes. So when you see the moving van and they're leaving, okay, say your goodbyes and that's it. Well, the, yeah, and the sign is ju- the sign is just not that important. No, um, not at all. You're able to gather people that are um, maybe uh, friends of friends and the neighbor that, and maybe the neighbors will chit chat to their friends. But uh, also, you know, the most useful thing about a real estate sign is it's it's nice when you're driving trying to find the house for sale. Sure. And you just you know. You can like my signs are have red on them. It's easy. To, you know, there's other the competitor signs are blue. Sure. <laughs> there's another one that's uh, gray. <laughs> Perfect. It's mine's a little bit easier to spot. Sure. But that's uh, that that's my opinion. But it you're absolutely right though. There's for whatever political reasons people have that they don't want to sign up there. Um, that's fine. It's not that big of a deal. I mean. You don't really see signs in front of houses for $5 million. No. Well, you do a little bit, but it's not necessary. It's not a big deal. Um, And people that are going to be buying in that category typically are not going to be out cruising the neighborhood looking for the house. No. They're going to hire a professional. They're going to say, this is what I'm looking for. These are my parameters. What do you have that fits that? Mm -hmm. So you can open your portfolio, show them a few things, and either it works or it doesn't. They're not going to go driving all over town because anybody – that has any self-worth is not going to waste their time driving around to see if something fits. And and what's the stat on, on home purchases? It's typically the single most uh, enormous purchase that anyone will make in their mm-hmm. lifetime, whether it's a first or second home. And you're not going to find that by running around. You're going to do a lot of homework. You're going to have your own self-worth. And if you're you know, making X amount of dollars an hour, you're not going to lose that income by going out and running around seeing if a, a multi-hundred thousand dollar, multi-million dollar home fits. You're you're going to have your agent call out all the stuff that doesn't make sense, send you a couple of suggestions and say, based upon everything that you've told me, this is what fits best. Let's take a look. Mm-hmm. 
Actually, one of the interesting statistics is that 89% of all real estate in the United States, last year at least, was sold with an agent involved. So it's, you know, you can try the FISBO route, which is for sale by owner. That's the moniker. Uh, you can do other stuff, or you can do what has an 89% chance of happening or uh, creating your end result uh, by using the model that we've been using for it's over 100 years. We've had realtors for over 100 years, and you know what? It's interesting. It works. Sure. Well, and the other thing that's interesting about that, too, if I were to go buy a home, if I saw mm-hmm. a home for sale by owner, mm-hmm. I'd want somebody to back me up on the contract. I wouldn't just rely on somebody's expertise that says, oh, I own yeah. this home. I mean, how do you even know they own it at that point? Well, that's <laughs> – we could have another – Show just on that. It's it's with all the fraud and the things that are going on sure. in there. I always I'd, I advise my potential clients to just be wary of the agent that pushes their brand and how their brand is really going to help them. Um, and the fact of the matter is that all of these real estate companies, it doesn't you know even Keller, they're all almost all of them are franchises. Very few of the brand names are actually owned by the parent. Um, oftentimes the parent uh, company owns numerous other brands and the idea that that brand is actually going to help you, it used to, it used to before the internet, sure. That's when the realtors and the brands controlled the information. The information is not controlled anymore. It's all out there. So it doesn't, the power of the brand is not really there anymore. Sure. Um, According to the National Association of Realtors, they ought to know. <laughs> um, let's, uh, let me see here. Um, oh, this is one of the interesting uh, comments I had. Broker in town who is they're 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 a pretty big player in town. And Keller Williams, we are not the biggest player in town. But we're we're growing, and we can we can talk more about that. But what what the other agent told the seller was that they had about a thirty percent chance of selling their house uh, through one of their somebody in their office. And so it sounded really good to tell you that oh well you have a thirty percent chance of selling your house because of you know me and somebody in my office. Let's market the heck out of your house and let's do a private open house. Uh, just for our office, and you know, that's probably going to be better for you. I don't know that I would agree with that. I mean, why would you limit your field of vision? You're going to sell to somebody that's going to have a good fit with that house, not somebody that's a good fit with that house that happens to be a coworker. I mean, field. I mean, yeah, it's great to have everybody in the office come and look at the house, but I wouldn't rely on that. Well, you're essentially cutting out 70% of the market. Exactly. And when I explain that, they're like, most sellers are like, oh, yeah, you're right. You just, you have no idea what the, 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 the marketplace will bear unless you put it on in the marketplace. Sure. Absolutely. And give everybody an opportunity. Uh, one of the, th- uh, this is the next Segment next part of this, what I want to talk about is what's called. Um, I guess there's a few ways of saying it. it's something called buying a listing. Hmm. Um, when I compete, once in a while I will lose a listing, and that's and I will lose it because my recommended price is too low. 
and there's another agent that I'm competing with who says different things than me, and they say that your house is worth X amount, and um, I don't think they can back it up with data, but I'll lose. I, I won't. I won't be able to get the listing because I think that I'm going to lose money for them. And uh, we were talking about this at lunchtime. What do you see when when that happens? Well, it's really interesting that when somebody says that they know what your home is going to sell for, unless they have a crystal ball or they're omniscient, that really isn't the case. So they may tell you what yeah. you won't want to hear. Oh yeah, your house is worth four hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Well, all the comps are at three ninety. So how's that going to work? Yeah. So what they do is they get you to sign a contract. So you're bound legally for thirty, sixty, ninety days, whatever your your listing period is mm-hmm. for. And then they say, oh, by the way, you know what? You're not getting any action on this. We've marketed the hell out of it. Everybody in our office has come to look out of it. But but we think you need to drop your price by fifty grand. Well. You could have been there initially by listening to what the professionals say mm-hmm. about what the home is actually bringing the, these days. And the market fluctuates. Things are up. Things are down. Inventory's up. Inventory's down. So, you know, it's not going to be a hard, fast rule of A plus B equals C. I mean, there, there are other contributing factors, certainly. But, uh, you know, it, it goes back to the relationship that you have in mm-hmm. my eyes, and it has been in my past, with the person who is your professional. If your broker is telling you, you know, this is what the thing is. You may not want to hear it, but, you know, if they're a trained professional, that's what they do all day. It's like taking your car to a mechanic, saying, I'm going to drive the car to New York from California tomorrow. What do you think I need? Oh, you really need to service the transmission. Ah, what does Tino? And you go off and take off on the trip. It's ridiculous. I mean, why would you risk something when a professional tells you you need something? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, absolutely right. That, and it's one of the tough things that we have in our marketplace, in any marketplace, anywhere in the nation where, I mean, right now the market's pretty hot, but I can show you hundreds of listings in, in L.A. I, can, I bet you I can show you a few thousand that haven't sold in six months. Sure. Most likely the problem, the reason why they won't sell is that usually it's overpriced. Sure. And buyers look at that. Buyers are smarter than anybody. They're, they're smarter than the sellers, and they're smarter than the realtors because they are the market. And they, when you look at something, if it looks like it's overpriced, that's right. What are you going to do? Yeah, pass. pass. Yeah, absolutely. You yeah. If, if you've worked your whole life to make this big purchase and you've saved up a couple hundred grand for a down payment or a cash purchase or whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish – you're not going to blow up on the first thing you see, and you're not going to blow it because somebody says, oh, that's a good deal. You're going to do your homework. You're going to do some due diligence. So it's not a matter of, of what the market says it's worth if just because they listed it at a certain price. Yeah. It's what you feel it's worth. And also one of the things for that I explained to a lot of sellers, we go into a break. You're on the Mike Bell Real Estate Show, and we'll be right back. We're here with Mike Patris. Welcome back to the Mike Bell Real Estate Show on TalkZone.com. Here's Mike Bell. Welcome back to the Mike Bell Real Estate Show. We're here with Michael Patras, and we're talking about the uh, things that your realtor will probably never tell you, your potential realtor. And we're on to item three here, the power of photos, how important photos are. Mike, what do you do if you're... If you were looking for a house right now and you start scrolling through 
um, uh, um, listings and there's no photos. Pass. It's the same thing with antique cars. If I don't see a photo, I'm not even going to read the listing. <laughs> we have a caller. We have Luke. Luke, can you hear us? I can. Hi. Hey, Luke. Thanks for calling. Hi, Bill. Thank yeah. you. I had a quick question. <laughs> I was yeah. wondering if there was some sort of rule that there must be photos on the Internet for houses. Can you repeat it? You're breaking up. Sorry about that. I'm in a nope. bad area here down in Dallas. We don't get the greatest reception. All right. Um, I was wondering, had a quick question. Is there a rule that there must be photos on the Internet for houses? Hey, Luke, can you say it again? I'm sorry. I didn't hear the whole is, question. Is there a rule? I, I, I didn't hear the whole question, or if you, or if you want to call back when you're in a better area. Uh, can you hear me? Now I can hear you. Hello? <laughs> I can hear you. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. I'm in a bad reception zone. Is there some sort of rule that there must be photos on the Internet for houses? <laughs> is, there, is there like no. a rule or there's no rule? There's uh, guidelines, I think, for a lot of boards of realtors, and it's just kind of professional courtesy, professional conduct. Uh, I'm not aware of any rules that say that if you list a house that you should have, you have to have a photo um, uh, that I'm that I'm aware of. In our area, most agents are pretty good, and they're pretty good about putting the photo up. Sometimes they they only put one photo up, and it might take three or four days to get that photo up. But uh, I'm not aware of any real rule or law. That says you have to do it, but let's talk about how important photos are. I mean, uh, Michael, you just you just mentioned that you'll just if you're looking at antique cars and there's no photo, you just skip. Right. It's it's buyer beware. So to me, if they don't show a photo, what is so majorly wrong with the property they don't want you to see it? Because eventually you've got to see it anyway, right? And I don't know if it's because of our proximity to Hollywood and all the glamour stuff, but. I think it makes or breaks it. You see some of the movie stars in some of the local restaurants with no makeup and, and coming and getting their sandwich and at lunchtime. And my God, that's that person. What a great photographer they have. Well, I'm sure it's the same way with homes, just like antique cars. Same thing. You've got to have some sort of a way to sell that product. And words can say so much, but people aren't going to read those words. You need an image that really makes great impact. Well, 93% of all homes are sold because of something on the Internet. And there was a Wall Street Journal article that came out. It was pretty pretty darn interesting. They said that in the article, it said that 42% of all buyers, uh, only 42% of all buyers read the entire description. Uh, they what, what when they they usually most of them read just the first two sentences of a description for a house. So you have all these really long descriptions. Most people are not even seeing it. They're, what they're doing is they they were able to they did all these studies. Uh, and they, they tracked what people were looking at, and they found that they went right to the photos. And they just kept clicking through the photos, and they spend more time on each photo than they do on each word. And they spend more time looking at the listing if there's photos. And the, generally, you don't want to have too many photos. You want to have enough photos. You you know, you want them to come to the house. Right, <laughs> you sure. You don't want to ruin, necessarily ruin the surprise, but... Um, the, the photos are really important. That's why I, I actually hire a professional photographer. I'm not a very good photographer. I hire a professional photographer to take the photos because I know how important it is. But 
people are, are visual. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, I think our area and, uh, has gotten to a point where I think most of the, the most of the good agents, they'll invest the one, two or three or four hundred dollars that it costs sometimes to do, uh, professional photography, which includes, um, lighting the fire, putting the fire in the fireplace, uh, and doing a little bit of staging and moving things around. And uh, doing some gardening and you know watering things down and stuff sure. like that. Those are those are very very important because your your first impression is going to be on the internet. Your, That's right. Your first showing is really on the internet. Sure. And the 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 likelihood is that your buyer, the first time they're ever going to see your house, is probably going to be in the evening, in their pajamas, in front of their computer. Sure. And they will click so fast away. Unless you have something that's, you know, that that is worthy of of looking at and and visualizing and imagining that you could possibly live there. Yeah, you need a reason to look further. It's one thing to see a, a curb shot of a home, but uh, you know, if you don't have any of the particulars right up with there, uh, the square footage and the price, along with some great photos, you're going to lose anybody who might even be mildly either interested or qualified to buy the property, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Anything that I've ever purchased in my life, since there's been the Internet, you're right. I look at pictures. And if it isn't an attractive picture, I'm not saying that I can't find a diamond in the rough, because I definitely have done that, and I've, I've scored big time that way. But uh, there, there has to be something as a hook to get me to continue to look. And if there's not some psychology involved in getting me to look further by putting something that is really intriguing, unique, interesting about that property, I'm not going to look further. I'm not going to spend time. I started doing something uh, that most agents don't do about three, four years ago. And first of all, there's two things I do that a lot of agents don't do. When I do show up to a listing appointment, I always talk to my clients and suggest maybe the best avenue for them is to rent the house out. And there's tax benefits. There's You can talk to your tax accountant about all of that. And once in a while, they'll say, you know, actually nobody ever talked to me about that. That does make sense, especially if the market is, is going up and I can get all of that gain tax-free by just being a landlord for up to three years. That's like I said, go talk to your tax accountant for tax advice. But what's interesting is that um, I hire a professional photographer for my leases. Sure. Now, if you went online, I know you own homes, but if you were going to rent a home, you're going to go online and look look for houses that have photos. You just absolutely. I'm not going to drive around knocking on doors. Asking to see a place. On, I know one of the avenues a lot of people use is is Craigslist. If you go on Craigslist, I would say in our area, maybe 70% of the listings actually have a photo of the house. Um, of the ones that have a photo of the house, there's only one photo of the house. I would say the majority of them are not professionally taken. They're not a yeah. It's it's point house. your iPhone. <laughs> it's it, yeah, in which they can take some pretty good photos, but. Um, we actually do the whole shebang as if we were going to sell the house and we take really nice photos. My my leases go quicker than almost anybody in town. Sure. And what I've found, which I should have figured this out a long time ago, but I found by doing this and investing in this is that we are able to capture more eyeballs, from, that people are looking at those photos 
and they're not necessarily looking in that price point or that area. It's just because I'm the best-looking listing out there, and they're going to it, and they're saying, honey, look at this. Look how nice this is. It's almost like you know, it's such a pain to go out and find a rental. It is such a pain. Sure. I feel for people that have to. It is such a pain. But to be able to have something that people don't have to guess about and you provide that visually to them. Sure. It's huge. And we, I wind up getting more applicants, and we usually get more higher prices. Uh, we just we just closed out a lease uh, two weeks ago in Pasadena, and this gal was sweet as can be, and, but she kept telling me that I'm never going to get that price for her condo. We got the price. She is so happy, and we got it fast. And that client was compelled and encouraged to – Get that application to us. We got a very, very good tenant. Everybody's very, very happy. Excellent. Um, well, and that's the difference between being a sales professional and a marketing professional. You know, you can just say, "Yeah, I got this house for sale. Sign here, and you can buy it." But you really—it's—it's it's like the old steak and the sizzle thing. You're not selling the steak; you're selling the sizzle, right? Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing with with anything, really. So because you have found a niche to be the best you can be. It's not because you are selling something. It's because you're marketing something. Mm-hmm. Night and day difference. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, the other item is, is uh, Internet presence. This is uh, something that a lot of agents won't tell you necessarily. A lot of agents will tell you they're going to be on the Internet, and that sounds really good if you don't really take it to the next step. What does that mean? I mean, everything winds up being on the Internet anyway by default. Yeah, whether you want it to or not. You can be an agent that doesn't have a cell phone and doesn't have a computer, and it's still going to go on the Internet because if you put – you have you – know, you can – this day and age in 2013, if I don't have – I can actually fill out a form. The, our board of realtors has a form that I could fill out in writing, and I could drive it. If I don't have a fax machine, I can drive it to the board of realtors, and for $12, they'll actually input it into the MLS for me. Okay. Wow. And they'll actually provide a service that usually takes, I don't know how it is now. Years ago, it was, I think it was $15 and they'll take one photo for you, but they will, it takes about a week to get it in. Sure. So they'll do all of that. So you'll get on the internet. But my point is be careful of the agent that says you're definitely going to be on the internet. I think you need to take it to the next step. What does that mean exactly? What are you going to do? Sure. Now, you know, since, since the agent will be, you know, they'll be in your house interviewing. I mean, you've sold houses. Did you go to the realtor's office or did you have the realtor come to your house? I actually did both because I wanted not only them to see <laughs> what the property is, but I wanted to see what their surroundings mm-hmm. were. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fanatic, but, you know, I like to see how somebody's work ethic is. Mm-hmm. And what better way to look into their work ethic than to look at their desk? I'm looking at my desk. Well, you just moved. <laughs> it's actually not so bad. We're no, here it's all, not. We're all we're here all weekend long doing all of this. Well, the the thing about um, if you're if, if 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 the agent is coming to your house and they're sitting at your kitchen table and you're a homeowner and you're curious about the internet presence and what they're going to do for your house. Why don't you just get on the computer and tell the agent, show me the last five homes you've sold. Take a look here and just let them sit down in front of the computer. And if they don't know how to turn on their laptop, you're in trouble. 
So we're gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give a lot more tips about what you should be looking for and what you should ask your agent when they are at your dining room table after this break. So you're on the Mike Bell Real Estate Show. We're here with Michael Patris. Be right back. And now more of the Mike Bell Real Estate Show on TalkZone.com. Here's Mike Bell. Welcome back to the show. We're here with Michael Patris, and we're talking about uh, the things that your potential agent will probably never tell you. And we're talking about when an agent is in your front room. Sure. And the questions you should ask. What's my Internet presence going to be? Because you have a 93% chance of selling your house because of something on the Internet. What are you going to do? Sure. That's what I would ask the agent. Yeah, and, and like you mentioned earlier about let's see what the last few listings were that you've sold or you have on the market now. I, I remember you last time when we spoke several months ago saying something about what is it, 1% or 2% of all realtors do 90% of the business or something like that? Yeah, it's like it's a 90-10 rule. So, so something like that, you know, how do you know that you're not getting somebody that puts in so little effort because, you know, they have a husband or a wife that works full-time at a regular job, they're doing this to fill a gap or to do a hobby. You know, you're not in here to to buy or sell a piece of property with somebody who wants to fulfill a hobby dream. Yeah. This is serious business. You're talking about potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars or more. So you need somebody who takes this seriously, and they can show you a game plan. What's the old adage about fail to plan or plan to fail? Mm-hmm. See what the game plan is. What have they done, and what has worked for them? Will it work for you? And the way the Internet works, well, the way the MLS works is that the multiple listing service is the agent can go into their multiple listing service. It's quite easy in your front room there on your, you know, on your computer, and they can pull up the last five sales. Now, it, I think it's important to find out if, this, if the agent represents a lot of buyers, or if they represent a, sell, a lot of sellers, or if it's half and half. Um, there's, there's benefits to working with somebody who only works with sellers or primarily. And there's, you know, you may not want... On somebody who just works with buyers representing you as a seller, because it is a different skill set. There are different things that we have to do. Um, but get this: if you're, if you've got your agent in front of your in front of you, computer, and you start seeing the listings and you don't like it, maybe you don't like the photos, maybe there's misspellings, maybe the description is not so hot. Guess what? That's what you're going to get. Bingo. So I think that's pretty important to take a look at somebody's work. Sure, absolutely. Now, the other thing you were talking about is this is something I offer all my clients. Uh, It's what's called uh, what I call a report card. Uh, Agents, they may say, oh, I've sold this, this, this. Maybe they mean that their brokerage did, or maybe they mean that they helped another agent in the office do that. I don't know how they're taking credit. But on the listing service, you can actually, you know, when you when you list a property, you have three beds, two baths, if it has a driveway, a garage, but it also lists who the agents were that represented the seller. And, and then if, you have, if it's a closed listing, it's a closed sale, the buyer's agent. We all have codes. You can actually search by three-bedroom homes. You can also search by the, the agent's codes. It's very easy to find. And agents can do this for, off of each other, and I can provide report cards for everybody. And I think sometimes it should, you know, it should. I shouldn't say should. I shouldn't should on people, but I think it's 
it's most of my clients is very important for them to know that you're a specialist in that area, in that price point. Sure. And that you're well regarded and you actually know how to close. Right. Versus somebody who just does maybe one or two. Right. Exactly. It makes perfect sense. But it's easy to pull all that information and, and um, I wouldn't be shy about asking somebody for that. And if they don't provide it, well, that's something to think about. The next agent will do it for you. It's, it's actually, sure. it literally takes about probably 40 seconds for me to do. Perfect. Um, and the other things to think about is you, know, you kind of want to make sure that the agent's actually going to put it on all the different portals. And a portal, I'm talking about Zillow, Realtor.com, Trulia, Red Door. There's a million portals out there. Not every agent puts them on those portals. That's where the buyers are a lot of times. So you really want to hit as many portals as possible. And you also, I think it's important to ask the agent how they're going to market your property internationally because these, this day and age, you just don't know where your buyer is going to come sure, from. Sure, sure. And it's important that it's marketed correctly. You know, I think they're tough questions, but I think they're fair. Absolutely. You just said it, too. I mean, you could, for a $10 million house, yeah, you could be losing hundreds of thousands of dollars. Sure. But on a regular house, maybe it's worth two hundred, or it's easy to lose, or you know, you may never know if you're if you've left ten thousand dollars on the table. Right. And guess what? We, for the most part, we all cost the same. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I don't charge more for what I do. Right. I just we basically, for the most part, commissions are relatively, you know, they're they're not all over the board. There's no, it's an industry standard, and everybody has to remain competitive, but you do get what you pay for. Mm-hmm. So, um, like we said, whatever you see is, is, gonna be, is how your home is going to be marketed, and you want to make sure that you're happy with that. Sure. All right, we're going to go to our last thing. This is something that um, I hear a lot. An agent will tell you, I can sell your house really fast, and I can have it done in two days. And uh, I can I can get the last sale I had. We had it sold before the weekend. How does that How does that make you feel? To me, it sounds like a fire sale. <laughs> Why? Well, because you're trying to get rid of something too quickly. You know, if I've got something that I want to sell, you need market exposure. And how can you have market exposure in 24 or 48 hours? It's, I mean, if you, you have a dire situation where you've got a death in the family or you've got financial catastrophe and you need that thing closed and done in a certain amount of time, then maybe that's a consideration. But what's an extra few days? Exactly. Exactly. I don't know. That's just my Particularly opinion. when it ends up being tens of thousands of dollars or more. And what's interesting is some buyers will, some agents will, they'll write offers and they'll say that it expires in two days and you got to take it. And I always tell my sellers, well, I know that we have this offer here on the table and it expires tomorrow at five, but why would you want to sell to somebody that doesn't want to buy your house tomorrow at five? Why would you want to sell to them? I think they're going to be around in two or three days. And if they're around in two or three days, they're a real buyer. And like your house, it's a house. It's not. It's an investment, but it's a house. They see themselves living there. Sure. And if they're not around, what? They you don't need them. You don't need them. No. You want somebody. I mean, home buying is an emotional um, process for people. I mean, you're gonna live 
there. It is, but within the realm of being emotional, it has to be very calculated, too, because you mm-hmm. have to be able to afford the payments, the taxes, sure. the upkeep, the maintenance, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have a pretty good idea going in what you can or cannot afford, what you can stretch, what you can forego. But uh, the bottom line is, do you like it, particularly if you're in a relationship does your spouse or partner want you to, you know, have this? You need their blessing as well. So within the realm of being quick, it needs to be calculated as well. Well, one of the things that I always talk to my clients about is let's profile who your highest paying buyer is. Now, it might be an investor from overseas. It might be uh, oftentimes for houses, your highest paying buyer is probably somebody who has a job. Sure. And they can't see it until the weekend. I normally advise my clients don't to sell, don't sell your house in the first seven to ten days. Give give the market a chance. Give it an oppor- give the marketing and what we do an opportunity to get through the realtor community and the internet and auto populate to all these portals because it, it doesn't happen instantaneously. Some of them are three or four days. It takes that long to get. Wait, sure. I can't tell you how many times I've heard somebody say, "Gosh." I, they sold it before the weekend, and I had a job. I have a job, and I can't go see it. I right. couldn't see it on a Thursday at, at 2 o'clock. Yeah, because and if I skip my job, I can't buy the house. Exactly. So it just, I don't know. To me, it sounds very basic, but a lot of home sellers like the idea of selling it really fast, and it generally is not a very good idea to sell it fast. Well, and fast is a relative term. I mean, is it a week or is it... 90 days. I think at 90 days, if it's on the market, you know, there might be a pricing or other issue. But, you know, you don't need to do it in, you know, two weeks for sure. Well, your high, your best buyers are usually in the first few weeks. And it depends on sure. the price point. It depends on the location. It depends on a lot of things. But normally, your best buyers are in the first week or this this one listing that I'm, I'm hoping to get for around $2 million. Because your best buyers are actually, it's going to take more like uh, a month, your best buyer. Sure. It's going to take time because some of those buyers are actually going to have to fly from another country to go see the house. Sure. But after that period, the amount of showings and the ability to get your price goes down significantly, and you wind up doing what's called chasing the market down. Right. Right. Trying to find trying to find that one buyer. Sure. Um, well, I want to thank I want to you know thank you for coming today. Anytime. Uh, we have our future show. Uh, in a few weeks, we're going to have the chief economist for the California Association of Realtors. I'm going to have to listen into that. That's going to be really good. And uh, before I forget, I want to offer a free service to my listeners and anyone in the United States. Uh, I wish I could be everywhere at once, but uh, my advice to everybody listening is interview three agents. And if you'd love to interview me and I'm, I can't be there, I'll find somebody for, for you. It's a free service. It's easy for me to find. I know how to find a really, really good broker. And uh, if you need that service, feel free to give me a call. And it takes me about, I have to, I actually have to do a little bit of work on it, but it, I, I can get you at least one very, very good name, somebody that shares my values and shares um, my, I guess, my talents, the, what I do. And I'd be, be happy to provide that for you. So thank you very much, Michael. Thank you. For being on the show again. I appreciate it. Enjoy the new studio in the courtyard. This is great. I wish I was out there in the sun like everybody else. 
The opinions expressed in the Mike Bell Real Estate Show are solely those of the host and do not reflect the opinions of anyone at TalkZone.com, Keller Williams Realty, any board of realtors, or anyone for that matter. Always hire a real estate attorney when making real estate decisions. Do not try any of this at home.